the people we were kind of targeting. Like we, were, we, we thought 40 people out would be a good event, and uh, we had over 80. And so they just kept coming, and uh, we kept loving on kids and, and people and, and got to know each other. Uh, better and uh, we had a mist the entire evening and so it was like sneaky rain and um, but we made the best of it and uh, just had a great time We're, we finished a series last uh, week called face your fears and so we're teed up for a series on faith and so I want to open up with a couple stories about faith because the Bible sets us up to believe in a God that can do anything which reminds me of a story of a little girl, and she's in her classroom, and, and, the, and the teacher's teaching science, and, and she must have actually had a bent kind of against the Bible because they're talking about whales, and uh, the teacher said, now, just so you know, the whale's throat is really not big enough to accommodate a human being. And uh, the little girl raised her hand. She goes, well, I, I believe that that's... That, that God could do that if, if, if he wanted to because I know the Bible story where, where and it just says a big fish, so who knows, but that swallowed uh, Jonah. And, uh, and, it, and the teacher's like, well, how can you be so sure? And she goes, well, because the Bible says so. And she goes, and plus, when I get to heaven, um, I, I'm going to ask Jonah how it happened. And the teacher said, well, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And the little girl said, well, then you can ask her. That's a joke, a bad joke. Don't, don't tell jokes like that. Uh, is there anybody who still didn't get it? Because we'll give you the cliff notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you a real story. So, uh, yeah, that was mean, wasn't it? You liked it, though. Who liked that joke? That was a good dad preacher joke. Okay, good. Okay. So, Years ago, I'm feeling, uh, Danielle and I are feeling like it's, we're being called into youth ministry across the street at uh, Trinity Family Life Center, the church that I came out of and used to meet even in this place. For those of you that don't know our whole story, and, and um, there was a, a youth pastor currently at the time, a, a really good guy, a friend of mine, and uh, God was just pressing me to kind of get involved again. I had been at a uh, coming out of high school and, you know, life gets uh, the better of you sometimes and you get distracted from maybe some of the passions or callings on your life or or dreams that you have and uh it comes to this moment where they're looking for a new youth pastor and, and i had no prior uh, i had experience working with the youth but no official training i was a a, a great college dropout and and uh and no uh, official you know education towards it or whatever and so a couple things were needed there was a summer camp that the kids were all signed up for, and um, but our our current youth pastor had to get down to he 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 said that God told him to plant a church in St. Pete, Florida. Now I think that's kind of lame, you know. Like a, a real tough guy gets called to plant a church in the Midwest where we have to face winters. But anyways, so he had to get down there. The beach was calling him. The Lord was calling him. And we had these kids, and they needed somebody to take the kids to camp. And then he said, Adam, there's a, there's a school, a training for three weeks that runs three weeks at a time up in Minnesota that does this kind of boot camp for youth workers. And uh, Danielle and I felt strongly that we were supposed to, that I was supposed to go to both of these things, which would require, what's three weeks plus one week? 
four weeks, we're talking a month off. Now, I was a full-time employee at the Home Depot, okay, right there on Bryce Road, and uh, so I was there for five years, and, and I'm like, okay, uh, I used my vacation time. I had used, you know, you don't just take, I'm not going to call off sick like 30 days straight. I mean, I had to, I had to communicate this, and, um, and so we're like, okay, God, we need, how, how is this going to happen? So step number one, I applied for a leave of absence from the Home Depot. And if you've heard this part of the story, just nod along, act like it's the first time. Well, leave of absences, now we've gotten a little more progressive with these things nowadays, but, but like they usually exist for serious illnesses, like an emergency case, or primarily for women to have their babies and have some time off with the baby and then come back to work. That was kind of the early days of leaves of absences. That was kind of the primary, you had to have one of those things. And I wasn't pregnant, and, uh, and I just looked maybe like it or, or uh, something like, no, I'm just kidding. And um, no sick illness, and, and I, I was honest in the letter, I, you know, just I, I want to do these things. So miracle number one Home Depot, which is a giant corporation, approved my little leave of absence for a month to go do these things with the youth. Well, guess how much money you make during leaves of absences? Hold it up. If you've had to take one, so I'm like, okay, God, um, step number one is good, but the Home Depot will not be paying me, and these are not paid things. And so Pastor Scott, who's not here today, uh, he took up an offering uh, to help us cover our costs. The offering was within $5 of what I made in a month. Do you see that God wants us to be people? Give God some glory for that. That's a huge testimony in my life. It, it told, think of all the people that were affected by that decision. And it took my little, I hadn't even done anything great other than asked for the time off and told Pastor Scott my need, like, I, I don't have this laying around. Like, you know, I'm not financially, you know, soluble to just take a month off here. And, um, but think of all the people, and not only did that start my time in the, in the ministry, but the church understood what God had done and, and all of the layers when we take a step out in faith. And so this series is all about faith. We're going to look at one man in particular, a man by the name of Elijah, and his story is at the end of 1 Kings. If you want to know that, it'd be worth reading up on. There's basically about four chapters that cover the different parts of his story. His name actually means, my God is Jehovah, or my God is Yahweh, the two ways that's translated in the, in the Hebrew. So his name declares who his God is. I want to read to you from 1 Kings 17.1, where we're introduced. Sometimes the Bible will like introduce characters and like bring them in nice and slow. And then in the case of Elijah, he just shows up. So I'm going to read uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah, first time his name's in here, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Whoa. 
no rain or dew. Like, we're not just, we're calling this thing out. There's not going to be moisture for a while. And we're not talking about days or like a heat spell, three years. Well, let me give you some backstory here. Who's this King Ahab and what's going on? And why is Elijah referring to himself as, as, a, as a follower of, of God? Well, the story goes, if, if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament or the stories of the Bible, there's a couple names that you may know of, and that's King David and King Solomon. Those, those should be kind of some big names for us. And that's where, the ki- that's where the kingdom of Israel, the Hebrew people, was basically brought together and was at its peak as far as, a, uh, as, far as an, an area like a, a, a world power of its day. And under King Solomon specifically, it would have been the world's superpower of its day. It was, it, was, it, was, it was happening. Well, after Solomon, the kingdom would be split. And just to make it confusing, the northern part would stay called Israel, and the bottom part would stay called Judah. And that, that alone was so confusing to me through all of my years growing up as far as who's who and, and what's, what's what. So I don't want to take you on too much of a ride there, but you have this massive split, civil war, both sides are separate, and the northern kingdom, basically, they didn't want their people going to Jerusalem to worship. And so they set up two places to worship, and they started incorporating all of the local ways of worship and other gods. And so they began to do this mixture of faith. Does that make sense? Well, it really doesn't make sense, but that's what they did, okay? And so, so they end up entirely separated, and this, this becomes the Samaritans that we hear about later. But anyways, for this point in time, you have two separate kingdoms, and you have multiple generations at this point that have separated from following God's word completely. And you have this wicked king named King Ahab, and he ends up in a marriage. Back then, they used to do marriages as far as kings to make like political uh, contracts and, and, and alliances. Y'all remember that from, from social studies or from history, right? Well, old Ahab gets hooked up with a woman named Jezebel. That's just a great name. That's like Mufasa, Jezebel. Say it again. Jezebel you just you just not gonna like the person with that name I can just guarantee you and so Ahab ends up getting married his dad gets him married to this woman Jezebel to make a political alliance and this woman starts setting up these temples with these wild uh, ways of, of, of practicing religion and they start this crazy worship of this God named Baal and things are bad enter Elijah, who walks up to King Ahab, and he said, there's not going to be rain or dew until I give the word. What kind of man of God does it take to speak that kind of boldness and fully understanding that God is really going to do what you said he's going to do wow this first message of this series is called man of god i've got a friend uh uh who's a uh was a youth pastor at the same time i was and we do stuff together his name's danny ortiz 
And I remember just starting to be around him at camps before we were close and, fr- uh, you know, really building a friendship. And, and he would just refer to me and other, other uh, brothers in the Lord. He'd say, how are you doing, man of God? And I'd like look around like, are, are you talking to me? Like, I, I don't know that I'm a man of God. Like, that's a little much. Like, I know Elijah's a man of God, right? I know that Moses was a man of God. Um, Adam Donnell, man of God? Huh. Well, what we came to with this last series called Face Your Fears was that God has designed for us to be a people of faith. It's supposed to be bigger than us. Our lives are supposed to be beyond anything that we can do on our own. And we're supposed to count on things that we can't make happen. Sounds like fun, right? Oh, it does. So we got two two little acronyms for you today. We got MOGS and WOGS. Tell your neighbor, MOG, WOG. M-O-G-W-O-G, man of God, woman of God, men of God, women of God, we be mogs and wogs. You like that, don't you? This is what happens when you write sermons at 1 a.m. No, I'm just kidding. Two, no. Um, People of faith. The absolute truth is, is that Father God sees me as a man of God and sees you as either a man or woman of God. And he expects us to grow into the understanding that we have that same ability to access faith the way that Elijah did. And I don't know about you, but I could use more faith. Because that's the way to live. I you know, I, I joke about the, the kid in the classroom, you know, to open up the message, but if all you have is this series of goo becoming a little more organized piece of goo, and then you get through the end, uh, end of your 80 years of gooiness, and there's nothing left after that, I'm not interested. Because then it's just about me and what I can enjoy for those 80 years. And plenty of people live that way. But when I tap into a life of faith and when I see my life being here as something that God has designed with purpose and and things are going to happen in his creative power that's before me and after me and I get to be a part of a larger story, I want to be a man of God. Doesn't that sound like a better way to live? And so what we're proposing here in this that for a man of God, for a woman of God, for to be a people of faith, we are looking for total dependence and unconditional obedience. So let's move on to a little bit in, in Elijah's story because he literally says that, and then God says, hide. Because guess what? The rain really stopped, the dew really stopped, and Elijah became enemy number one. It, will, it covers later in those few chapters that it says that King Ahab sent people looking in all known areas surrounding Israel, Judah, neighboring countries. Get me Elijah's butt right here. He says hide. 
And so Elijah hangs out by this brook for a while, and, uh, and so you have the first case of pizza delivery. You have uh, ravens were bringing him food every morning and evening, so you have Uber Eats, and uh, we're bringing him, uh, you know, dropping in, drop in stuff, and uh, he's hanging out there, and then God says, it's, it's time to go. I'm going to move to chapter 17, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now let's just stop right there for a minute. Elijah was getting food basically kind of directly from God, God's provision. Here comes the food I need every day. The brook still had a little bit of water in it, so I've got, the, I've got the water I need until it dried up, and I've got the meat coming every day, courtesy of, of, of the ravens. Thank you, ravens. But then I'm supposed to go to a town and not just go to maybe the family that has the most resources, but God sends him to a widow, and he said she's going to take care of you. There's something there for us today that it's when God taps you on the shoulder to give something or to be a part of something, it's easy for us to look at God and say, did you pick the right person? Shouldn't you ask somebody that has a little more in their bank account to give to that? Shouldn't you ask somebody with a little more ability to step into that situation? Shouldn't, shouldn't, I, I just can't, I don't have enough, God. We'll keep going here. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? How valuable is water these days? Can you bring me a brick of gold while you're at it? As she was going to get it, he calls to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Well, now I'm not, like, I like people to cook for me. That's great. But the last thing I'm going to do is go to somebody who has nothing and ask them to give me something. Like, that's just rude, right? And, uh, like, I'm going to figure out how I can get them a bite to eat. And God is challenging both Elijah and the widow in this situation. I don't think Elijah's thrilled about this. Let me go ask the neediest person. She's outside gathering sticks for herself to build a fire. This woman is on her own with almost nothing. Can I have some of your water? Oh, and while you're at it, a sandwich. Right? All right, here we go. It gets better. She tells him the truth. She said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. I don't think she's being a drama queen. I think she's telling the truth, right? This total dependency is a big deal because when God 
leads us into things, if he's leading us, it probably means, and it almost always means, that you're going to be counting on him for things beyond your own resources. I want to give you guys an update just as a church family, something to be praying for and to be spreading the word out. And, um, and that is that uh, Miss Nicole, our kids director, she had to resign uh, this week, effective next month, November 18th. She has some very serious health concerns. She's had them her whole life. And, uh, but her kidney doc said that she just can't be carrying extra loads of stress and that it actually hurts her body to do so, right? And so not only do we need to pray for her, um, but we have a need as a church, and, and God will continue to provide, but we're going to be looking for, interviewing, and trying to find the right person to take care of our most important resource, our kids, right? So y'all help me with that? Let's just pause for a minute right here. Father God, we thank you that you know our needs. God, even more importantly, God, I thank you that you know Nicole's needs, God, and we ask you for her healing today. God, we thank you for her willingness to serve and her generosity of her heart, God. God, we pray that you would touch her supernaturally, and God, that you would lead her in peace as she faces the things that, that you're going to walk, walk with her through, and we'll be right there with her. But Father God, we also lift up this need as a church, God. We thank you for our babies and our kids. And God, we thank you for the future of not just our families, but of your kingdom. And God, we thank you that we need to take great care of this resource. And God, we thank you that you're going to provide. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you know how I know that he's going to provide? Well, look around you. It was only 11 months ago that we found out we were losing our last space and God gave us this space. The kid's laptop broke a few weeks ago. I put on Facebook just hoping somebody would, you know, we've had people give, give uh, donate stuff, and, and um, we had a family go out and buy a brand-new laptop for our kids' department. We need a furnace downstairs, and I just had a family let me know that they're going to give $3,000 towards a new furnace downstairs. These things... I don't, this isn't new to me, okay? I have continuously seen God meet the needs that he leads us to as a church, me personally, my family, friends that I know. I have watched him bring the ravens and meet the need in that moment. And sometimes, we can be frustrated that he doesn't drop off a refrigerator, refrigerator with a month's supply of meat, and yet he wants us to be willing to go to those situations where we've got enough for today, and that's enough. And when that runs out, we know that he's going to send us where the next meal comes from. And if we're supposed to ask a widow with nothing that we have the faith to know that God's going to provide. I think it took more faith for him to ask that widow than most of the other things he did in, those, in that short period of time. That would, that would be the most difficult, I think it's the most difficult thing he had to do. So God calls us to total dependence on him. And he calls us to unconditional obedience. Back to this story. But Elijah said to her, 
He said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Wow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. This thing, this situation shows us a, a teaching, a principle that exists from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible. And what it shows us is that us humans live on two planes. We've got a vertical relationship with God. No matter what status it's in, you have one. And then you have horizontal relationships with all of the good-looking people around you in this room and in the rest of your life. And this principle that is unfolded right here, one of the many times we see it in the Bible, God says, seek me first. Elijah said, I, I get that. I appreciate your situation. I really do. But could you make me a small cake first? Could, could you put God first and then watch the flour and the olive oil never run out in your containers? Why does God do it this way? Why does he do it this way? Because he knows this applies to every part of my life. I can spend every moment of my day fixated on all of my relationships, regardless of what status they're in, and I can just be consumed with trying to keep them all straight and right and healthy. And what God's word says applies to that as well. He says, I need to be first in your life. And if you're healthy with me, that rolls out into every other relationship. And I watch that when things go cold between me and God, when I neglect that relationship, it's no wonder that I begin to have a harder time with the people around me. And I'm more perplexed by the different things in my life. And, 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 and stresses go up and, and my understanding level goes down. And God says, seek me first. This unconditional obedience, I'll tell you another part of my story. You guys like stories? Is that okay? For the five of you that like it, listen. For everybody else, just do your fantasy football or something. That's fine. There's still the NFL today, you know. Go Browns. I don't know. Us Buckeye fans have a hard time losing. We're not used to it. I get the job over at Trinity. And they hire me initially as a part-time uh, position to build the junior high youth ministry. That's cool. They end up hiring two of us uh, uh, to, to take on the, the challenges over there and, and to had a good youth ministry, and they wanted to keep it and grow it. 
So, okay. So I'm still full-time at where? Home Depot. Very good. And so I stayed at the Home Depot is how one friend calls it. And so I'm there at the depot, and I'm working my 40-plus hours a week there, and I'm trying to get this ministry going on the side, and I am doing all of this horizontal stuff, and I am frustrated at my lack of time to put into a very new thing and uh, to get it built. And I remember being frustrated, and I go to God in prayer because that's usually when we pray. Or is that just me? And I say, God, why did you set me up for this? Because I just I feel set up for failure because I just have this. I've, I've got, uh, let's see, at the time I would have at least had Lily. Danielle would have to tell you if Hope was around yet or not. I'm bad about that. But I'm a family man. I'm trying to keep that going. I've got the Home Depot stuff going. Um, just being a part of a large church, you've got, you know, you're helping out with other things. And then, oh, by the way, grow a new ministry from nothing. I was frustrated. And I've never heard the Lord's audible voice, and I still didn't then, but I felt something inside of me, and, and, uh, and, and it was this. Who told you that you are part-time? Well, God. Uh, that's what they hired me for. That's what I was given. Who told you that you're part-time? Uh, the paycheck uh, says part-time real clearly. Um, it says, it says part-time because of the small amount of money written on each of those checks. That is not full-time money, I'm pretty sure. Who told you that you're part-time? I go to Danielle, who has always had more faith than me, and I said, babe, I think I'm supposed to quit Home Depot, or at least to quit my full-time job and maybe find, you know, go to part-time or supplement, but I feel like I'm supposed to put full-time attention onto the junior high. Well, after she hit me for five minutes straight, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm sure she said something like, that's probably right. Well, we still had our, anyways, we still had obligations, and, 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 uh, and it was crazy. I quit Home Depot, and then we watched God move and provide, and, and it wasn't, it was within, I think, six months of that that I was full-time over at the church, and this dependence and obedience goes hand in hand because if you, you really only obey the Lord if you're dependent on him for the results, and if you're dependent upon the Lord, you obey him. Does that make sense? You really don't get the one without the other. And so we grow in both, and, and they, they, they are muscles that work together. Matthew 6.33 says this, says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Wow. That sounds so good. It sounds so good until you feel like you're supposed to do something crazy. <laughs> but I've only seen him keep his end of the deal 
It's, it's all I've ever seen. It hasn't been easy. Uh, there's been challenges. You go, you, you learn what you can go without, but my gosh, there's, nobody should feel sorry for my life. Um, and yet I continue to see God meet my needs and other people's needs. So some questions for us. Are you a man of God or a woman of God? Odds are, if you're here in this room today, you be one already. And maybe not, if you're not one, then you're considering what faith looks like and, and what it would mean to trust God with your life. And I pray that you will take that step of, of just locking in with him. But the simple truth is, for most of y'all in this room, you are one. And that should reveal a life, somebody looking in through the window of your life, not just what you put on Facebook, not just those things, but somebody watching the big picture should see dependence on God and obedience to God. So here's some questions for us. What, what can we take from this into Monday and into Tuesday and into Wednesday? What can we take in this to grow? And so these questions are to flex our faith muscles. Give me a flex. Give me something. What do you got out there? Gun show, right? I've heard that if you work out, these get bigger. I, you know, that, that's what happens. Like if you work out, things happen. I don't know. I'm ornery. Forgive me. Questions to flex our faith, faith muscles. Depend, not face muscles. That's just weird. Faith muscles. Dependence. This is big. What is something you need to trust God for? If you want to grow in dependence on him, what is something that you dare to believe that God could do in your life. Because this is where this gets real, because until you have the faith, you don't really believe that that's going to happen. Like that our secondary is going to show up, or that other linebackers will pretend they got a full-ride scholarship too, or, or you know, I, I'm losing faith. And so I'm only going to believe for things that I really know or I really believe can happen. And so if you want to grow in faith, that means you have to find, and I bet there's already some things in your heart, in your mind, that God would challenge you today to believe for. Who has something that, you don't need to share it out loud, I'm not asking for that, but who wants to believe for something, for God to do something that only he can do in your life. Do you need this? I need this. This is what we're, this is what we're supposed to, to, to be, a, this is supposed to be a part of our life. Okay, got another muscle we can flex. Oh, this one's going to get, this one's going to hurt. Did you know that growth involves pain? All right. Obedience. Yee. We don't like that word. If you want to grow your faith muscles, what is something God is asking you to do? What is it? What is something that hurts a little 
to do or scares you a little or, or you might not even know what it means. You might need to figure it out. Like, I, you might have to ask around, what, what, what does this sound like to you? That's what the church should be about. It should be about us helping each other grow in our faith and our relationship with God, right? Well, that comes down to each of us saying yes, not just to faith in the first place, but when he calls you to do something. And I can tell you this, that if your life, will be li- if your life is limited to the things that you can do on your own strength and that fit nicely into your world, you're probably not flexing your faith muscles. You got one over here, dependence. You got the other one over here, obedience. And God wants you to be a strong people of faith. So these questions today. What is something you need to trust God for? What is something God is asking you to do? For some of you in this room, there, may, there might be a relationship that's damaged. For some of you, there might be someone that you care about is far away from God, and you know that you can't save them. You can only guilt them into coming to church with you so many times. It's, it's just not going to work that way. And once again, you're going to have to look to heaven and say, God, I trust you. Use me how you will. I'll be obedient to do what you ask me to do, but God, I'm going to trust you for this person's life. God, I'm going to trust you to meet this need. God, I'm going to trust you with this sickness that I have. God, I'm going to trust you, this is even harder, with the sickness this person I love has. Or somebody you care about their financial situation. Those are, those are much harder on me than my own pains and aches. Like I'll bellyache about some stuff, but it's a lot harder for me to watch people I love go through hard things. Right? And that's where God is asking us to depend on Him. And you might have a role to play, a job to do, and that's where it steps up to, God, what do you want me to say yes to? Can we pray this morning? It's a simple, I think the simple messages are are sometimes the hardest to hear. We've all got full lives. We all have needs. We all have desires and dreams. But beneath all of that, because I've seen God, I've seen most of my dreams actually end up being sourced from Him in the first place. And when when I'm walking with Him and for Him, I see those things come together in ways I couldn't have done myself. And sometimes those needs that I have, I I, I end up finding out that they were supposed to affect somebody else. And that there was a reason why I went through that difficult time. It was so that it could, my story could help somebody else later. And that blessing I got really wasn't just for me. It was to share about it and to share it with somebody else. Dependence. Obedience. If you're ready to flex that dependence muscle today, that obedience muscle today, would you raise your hand? Is God calling you to take steps in these areas? I believe He is. 
do you hear them? See those hands. What is something you need to trust him for? What is something God is asking you to do? Who told you you're part-time? Who told you that? Because if God didn't say it, then you don't need to live by it. Figure out what he said about your life and start to depend on it. Start to obey the things that will uh, cause that to come into fruition. And watch him bring the road up beneath your feet. God, I lift up my brothers and sisters today. God, I thank you that we would be a people of faith. God, I thank you for the men of God and the women of God, the people of faith that are in this room. God, I thank you that if we will flex these muscles, God, that if we will begin to believe for your things to happen, for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done, for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. God, these are the things you called us to believe in. These are the things you called us to pray. These are the things you called us to walk out in. You made the storms and the waves for us to walk on top with you. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, it involves these same two things, dependence and obedience. To be a follower of Jesus means you're depending on him for the forgiveness of your sins and for the holiness, the righteousness of Christ being applied to your life. You are dependent upon that to have a relationship with God. His forgiveness, his holiness only comes through the cross of Christ. If you are ready to depend on that and then to obey him, what he leads you to do then today's your moment of salvation. Is that you today? Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. God wants to welcome you and call you his own again. Dependence and obedience. It's how we start and it's how we're going to finish. Amen. God, we thank you for this word. Help us to be a people of faith, dependent upon you and obedient to what you ask us to do. And we thank you for the privilege of watching you work miracles in us and around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and worship this morning. If you need prayer, we'll have people should be up front uh, ready to pray with you. And so whatever God's shown you, even this morning, about something maybe that you're supposed to trust God for or something that he's asking you to do, this would be a perfect, perfect time to talk with somebody and receive prayer for it. Let's worship.
Father God, we thank you for this word today. Father God, on the other side of dependence and obedience is bravery to stand with you, God, to stand with you, to watch you move, to watch you meet our needs, to watch you meet our community's needs, our nation's, God, the, the neighbor next to us, God, the co-worker, our children. You can do it, Lord. You're doing it, Lord. And you want your people with you men and women of God, a people of faith. We love you, Lord. Help us to share our hope in you with somebody this week. Help us to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.